Welcome back to the sixth episode of Wave the Wheat. My name is Jackson Reed, and today I put it on Twitter. We have a co-host this week. Introduce yourself, my man. I'm Nathan Swaffer. I'm the sports editor for the University Daily Kansan, and I'm, I'm excited to be here, Jackson. And like I said, we have two phenomenal editors at the University Daily Kansan that do all of our sports stuff. Nathan was at the Emporia State case, Kansas game last night. I can't talk today. Um, that was such a ton of fun, I'm sure. But today we got something even more fun. I'm telling you right now, I said UKC people are going to love who we have on the show today. It is the voice of sporting Kansas City and KU graduate Nate Bucati. How are we doing? Hey, Jackson. Hey, Nathan. How's it going, guys? Good to be on with you. It's going so good, other than the tough L last night in Austin, right? Yeah, Austin. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't pretty, to say the least. Yeah. So for those that don't know you, which I feel like would be rare at this point in your career, but so like where did you, so I mean, you know you graduated from KU, so where did it start after KU? So like just describe your journey just a little bit for these for the people. Okay, yeah, so I went to uh, University of Kansas from 1994 to 1998. Uh, we had several number one seeds in the NCAA tournament and never made the final four during my four-year uh, stretch at Kansas, so that's kind of painful. But, um, yeah, I started working in broadcasting. I worked at K- I was the sports director at KJHK Radio, which used to be run by the journalism department back in those days. I understand that's a little different now. Uh, my first paying job was uh, in uh, Ottawa, Kansas at KOFO Radio, uh, AM 1220, where I did country music DJing and, and news shifts, and I got to call some high school American Legion baseball play-by-play. And then when I got out of college, my first job was in a town called Moberly, Missouri, which is about a half an hour north of Columbia. I did a lot of high school sports and more country music DJing, which let you guys in on a secret. I'm not a big country music guy, so that was uh, (laughs) outside of my comfort zone a little bit. But it was good for me, and I lived there for a year and then kind of moved back to Kansas City and have just kind of pieced my career together from there. Been back in Kansas City for about, I guess, 22 years now, which is... I. I, I hate feeling that old, but I guess that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw, um, I see that you were a KU football sideline reporter. So how, like, how did that, how did that come to be about? Was that when you were here as a student or post-graduation? That was post-graduation. Yeah, I, I actually, shoot, if I knew you guys were going to ask me about that, I, I could have done some show and tell. I got an orange bowl ring and an inside bowl ring down in my basement from the days when KU was actually relevant in football, which hopefully <laughs> Coach Leipold is going to get us back to that point down the road. I like him. But anyway, yeah, I did the, I did the sidelines for KU football for 11 years. Um, I did the KU women's basketball play-by-play for 14 years. And um, it was one of those things. I was working at, at 980 KMBZ Radio at the time, which at that time was the home of the Jayhawks. And Bob Davis, longtime legendary voice of the Jayhawks, uh, one of my mentors, was, uh, was working the morning show, the morning sports during the news on KMBZ. And so I, I spent a lot of time working with him. And when the play-by-play job for the KU women opened up, he encouraged me to apply for it. And I think he, he gave me a good word. And I got the job, and uh, then as a part of that, I, I started. First, I was doing the scoreboard show on the post game for KU football. I did that for three years, and then um, when they when Max Falkenstein retired, uh, David Lawrence went up to the broadcast booth to be the color analyst, which is the perfect job for him because he you know he's a former All Big Eight player, and um, and so then they needed a sideline reporter, and they hired me to do that. So I, yeah, I did that for eleven years. Some really good years, and some pretty darn bad ones too. <laughs> I feel like we've 
gotten to the pretty darn bad ones right now, but we're trying to... <laughs> Leipold has the... We've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. We have the core. We have a lot of guys that are going to be here for a couple of years, so maybe Kansas football will get back to that, Mark, where, I mean, maybe not Orange Bowl good, but, you know, you have to certainly hope so. So... I'm not gonna lie. I literally, I really love your your bio on 810, where it has your. It's got your favorite music, your favorite movies. It's got it's got everything you need to thing, know. By the way, that thing hasn't probably been updated in 10 or 15 years. <laughs> so I, don't even, I don't even. You're about to surprise me with what's on I was that gonna bio because s- I don't even know. We'll get to we'll get to the personal questions at the very end because there's some there's a ton of good ones <laughs> and I was taught we were talking right before we went on about some of the personal questions but it seems that you have a very diverse portfolio portfolio you have you've done country music you've done KU football you've done KU basketball and i see you've done a little bit of royal stuff too equipped the 810 bio is right yeah. so what was it yeah. about sporting kansas city that really seems to stick with you oh that's a great question um honestly you're, you're hitting uh, uh something that i thought a lot about because Honestly, soccer was probably the sport when I when I decided to start. Uh, I got offered the sporting KC job. Um, I was a season ticket holder and a big fan at that time. And I would say that soccer was the sport I probably knew the least amount, but loved the most. I played a couple years of high school soccer, but I was living in Wyandotte County in the 90s. And soccer was not really even considered a real sport by our athletic director. And <laughs> and uh, we had a coach that was like reading out of a textbook. So. I wouldn't say that my soccer knowledge was real advanced. I basically played it my junior and senior year just to get in shape for basketball season. And um, it's a shame because I'm, I'm a 5'8 skinny guy or used to be a skinny guy. And that's, you know, soccer is a good sport um, for, for people my size. And I think I could have been a decent player, but I just I didn't grow up you know learning the game. So I just um, I was traveling with the Royals. I, I did. I worked covering the Royals in some capacity for 15 years. Uh, on radio and then on television, um, and I'll be honest with you, the the, the lifestyle of a, of a baseball guy was really starting to be something that I, was eye opening to me that I don't think I wanted to live. Um, I, I was getting to the point in my life where I wanted to. I realized like, hey, I want to get married and have a family, and and I got a lot of respect for the guys that pull it off because when you when you do baseball, you're never home. Um, the adage in baseball is the good thing about baseball is there's a game every night. The bad thing about baseball is there's a game every night. <laughs> and, uh, and I was just kind of coming to the realization that I don't think it was for me. And at the same time, the 2006 World Cup was going on in Germany. And I was traveling with the Royals and my work schedule was basically sleep till 10 a.m., get up, go to lunch, work out, and then go to the ballpark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And all those games were on like really early, early in the day, cause they were in Germany. And I, I just got hooked. I watched every game and I, I just caught the, the bug. And so then I picked a couple teams in Europe to keep watching cause they were finally available to watch in America. You didn't used to get to watch those games. And I picked a couple teams. I just got obsessed with it, started watching games. And um, honestly, guys, I, you know, when I was, when I was in your guys' shoes, when I was in college, I dreamed of being a, a play-by-play announcer for football and basketball and baseball and, and being maybe the, the voice of the Jayhawks someday and all that. And uh, it's weird. I, I didn't dream of being a professional soccer announcer because Major League Soccer literally launched my sophomore year in college, like when I was your guys' age, and nobody knew if it was ever going to make it or not. It wasn't taken real seriously. So I didn't dream of being a soccer announcer, but once I was offered the job from sporting, I had a lot to think about. And uh, my wife, uh, who went to KU as well, said, that's that's the job you should be doing. And um, 
I took the leap and ended up like this is it's where I feel like I was supposed to be all along. If that makes any sense, it just feels natural. I love the sport. It's I love every sport, but it's my favorite. It's the one that um, that I'm the most passionate about, and I feel really lucky to get to do it now. That was a long answer, wasn't it? No, it's a, it was a great answer, and it's the literal little definition of World Cup fever. It is, it is a literal definition yeah. of World Cup fever because I feel like every four years, like I really get into the World Cup, and like the United States isn't very good anymore. Yeah. But like I don't know, like I you cheer for some. Oh, teams. we're about to be though, buddy. We're about to be. Christian Pulisic. That's that's a name I know. That's hey, about all I watch know. out for yeah. John Luca Busio, yeah. Kansas City kid. That's okay. right. Okay, I understand that's you right. have some soccer questions yeah. for him too. You I do. Drop, drop some soccer questions. I do. Go ahead. So also at KU, I'm a part of a podcast that we've started doing over the past. We really just started this this semester called Jayhawk FC. Me and some friends who are extremely passionate about soccer are. That's awesome. We're, we're really starting to start this podcast, and I figured with Jackson talking to you on Wave the Wheat today, I figured I'll ask you a little bit about Western Conference MLS playoffs with sporting being yeah. right in the fray of things. So I'm interested. This, these first few questions are going to be pretty much centered around sporting, and then we'll get to some more general Western Conference-based questions as well. So regardless of playoff positioning and what happens on Decision Day on Sunday, what is the biggest challenge that sporting is going to face going into the playoffs? Boy, that's a good question. For me, I would say getting healthy. Um, You know, Daniel Shallowy has been dealing with, uh, with an ankle injury. He started in the game uh, down in Austin last night, but I think he looks like he's still trying to kind of get his footing and try to, uh, trying to be more, you know, get more confidence on the way his ankle feels. And Alan Polito, obviously, their, their, their biggest money signing that they ever made. They missed him in the playoffs last year, and he's coming back from a knee injury. And I think trying to get him healthy uh, would be massive as well. And so, and, and Jose Mowry's been dealing with an ankle injury also. So um, for me, that maybe getting healthy and, and and just kind of recharging a little bit for the playoffs is the biggest thing. And I think this game coming up on Sunday is a big one too, to just, they've lost two games in a row for the first time all year. Um, and, you know, I think you want to be a confident team going into the postseason. I think you want to feel like everything's clicking like they did just this time a week ago. And so you get a win on Sunday. I think that kind of gets you in the right mindset going into the postseason. I think this team's capable of making a really deep run in the postseason if those things come together. Mm-hmm. Is this end of season form from sporting? Is it really a cause for concern going to the playoffs? Because you know they're kind of going the opposite direction of what you would want to be going to the playoffs. You don't want to be losing and playing your worst form of the season. You want to be winning. Yeah, it's funny how fast those things change. Because if you had asked me that question last, just this time last week, I, you know, it's like they're flying high. They're playing their best soccer. They had just gone to Seattle, which is the team that's in first place right now, and they've won a game. Um, so I don't, like I said, I think those things can change really fast. You go out and win on Sunday against RSL. I think those those losses become a distant memory right away. Um, and I don't really think, I just think they just, they, they had a bad time to play a couple of bad games. And this league is one of those, it's like the NFL where, you know, the, the, the 10th place team can beat the first place team on any given day. And it's really not that big of an upset. And they, you know, if you don't play well, you're going to lose in this league, and, and that's indeed what happened. So, you know, I'm not going to push any panic buttons yet. they got too many veterans on this team. they got too many guys that knows what it takes. I Now, look, if they go out and they get 
you know, beat bad on Sunday, maybe we can revisit it. But I, I think they're going to have a good showing on Sunday. Then they get a couple of weeks to get ready for the playoffs, and I think they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, and, you know, in essence, they've kind of gotten lucky that they've hit this bad form now because Seattle's kind of been the same way. The Rapids have kind of yeah. been the same way. I guess if there's been a time to hit a skid, this wouldn't be a bad time to do it. So Yeah, you know, I think that both teams, Seattle and Kansas City, have dealt with so many injuries, and it's hard to cover that for, for a really long time, especially in a salary cap league. It's not like these, te- these big clubs in Europe where you get to bring in another $20 million player off the bench when a guy gets hurt. So I think that's part of the factor, too. Mm-hmm. So I'll go to some more general just Western Conference questions. So with... Rui Diaz, Nicholas Ladero, Jordan Morris, with all of them now being back and getting healthy again for Seattle, do you think they're the most dangerous team in the Western Conference and the team to beat? Well, I think a lot of people would probably make that that assertion. I, I'm still, I mean, I'm not be coming across as a homer. If you're taking sporting out of the mix, I would say, yeah, that's probably true. But one of the things that we don't know is, What's Jordan Morris going to be like? You know, he's been out for an entire year with an ACL. It's not like he just missed a couple of games here or there. Um, and so I think that's a big question. Um, Rui Diaz and, and Ladero are incredible players. And when they've had Nicholas Ladero um, and Rui Diaz both going, they're, they're, they're a juggernaut. I would think if they're healthy and playing well and sporting have all their guys back that they've been missing as well, you're looking at two heavyweights. I mean, you're looking at two teams that, that really don't have a weakness on the field. And I think that if they meet again in the playoffs, it would be an incredible game. Mm-hmm. So there have been a lot of not lower tier Western Conference teams, but you know, right on the edge of those play, that playoff line that have really seemed to be getting hot lately in Vancouver, Portland, you know, LAFC. They've all been getting hot at the right time. Who do you think is the scariest team to face right now, kind of near the end of that playoff line? Well, that's a good question. Um, Portland went and just smashed RSL uh, last night at their place. And if they've got Blanco back, which they do now, he's one of the best players in the league. He came and and, and almost single-handedly won a playoff game in the uh, Western Conference Finals back in 2018 here. So that's a team I think you got to keep an eye on. The thing about MLS, again, is... All those teams you just listed off have a superstar player that's that's dangerous on any given day that, that can go out and beat you. LA Galaxy have Chicharito. He's the leading goal scorer in the history of Mexican soccer. Uh, you know, Carlos Vela, who when he was in his good form a couple years ago, might have been the best player that the league has ever seen. And I talked about Blanco with Portland. So when you have players with star power like that, they're all going to be dangerous, you know, and I don't think anybody, you can't just take it for granted that, oh, you're the home team in the MLS playoffs because it's not that simple. And I think that's a great thing about the league right now is there are star players all over the place, big name guys that can play in any league in the world. And, um, and that's what makes the playoffs so fun. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want your official prediction now, if you'll give it to me. <laughs> who, who goes to MLS Cup from the West? Well, you know I'm going to say sporting. I mean, I know who signs my paychecks, buddy. I'm not, <laughs> not, not going to mess that up. Uh, but, but also, I will just say that, look, um, if, if Alan Polito comes back healthy, if you have Daniel Shallowy, Johnny Russell, and Alan Polito, I think you have the best strike trio in the league, hands down. Um, they're, they're all, you know, MVP caliber type players. Uh, if you're healthy and, and Nicholas Sissimat-Marine is, is back on the back line, I think you have two experienced 
uh, solid center backs. I just think that Sporting have a team that from front to back, you know, knows how to get the job done and has experience at all three levels. Um, so I, I'll, yeah, I'll take, I'll be the homer and I'll take Sporting Kansas City. And then obviously the New England Revolution on the other side, they're the, they've had the best season in, in MLS history when yeah. it comes to total points. So it, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee for them to get through, but you'd be kind of silly to pick against them, I think. Yeah, it, se- it seems like somebody made a joke the other day that, yeah, they had the greatest regular season in history, which means they'll probably lose in the first round. Well, you look at it, I mean, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of hand-wringing over whether or not Sporting's going to get the one seed or the two seed, and I can't remember what the actual stat is, but I saw somebody post the other day that recent history says that the two seeds make it to MLS Cup far more often than one seeds do, yeah. so... You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, it seems like the last few times Sporting's been the one seed, that hasn't worked out so well. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think they still want it, though. I think they'll take their chances. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I've actually got just a quick follow-up question with Sporting. This this has been in debate all year, especially in the second half of the season with Johnny Russell in you know, the best form of any player in MLS. Who's more important to this team? Is it Shallowy or Russell, in your opinion? It's a great question. I'm going to say Johnny Russell, and the reason I'm going to say that is no disrespect to Daniel Shallowy whatsoever, but one guy has the captain's band on his arm, and Johnny Russell has always been a team. He got the captain's band for a reason, right? Like Peter Vermees doesn't just close his eyes and throw a dart and, and pick a captain. He does it for a reason. So Russell was always a leader and always a guy that the other players look to, but I have noticed a change in his demeanor since he got the captain's band and i've asked him about it he he kind of denies that but he has also admitted to me that the captain's band means something to him mm-hmm. uh he takes a lot of pride in that and i think he takes a responsibility in that to constantly be setting the tone for the team and like in the game against austin that we just were talking about where the team really was had a lackluster performance you look in that second half johnny russell was all over the field winning tackles getting stuck in on challenges the header that he scored the goal on he attacked that ball like he he took the responsibility i need to to raise the entire team's level and it you know when you look at them both as soccer players they might be the same when it comes to which one's the best goal scorer which one's the best you know um assist man all of that but when you take the leadership component johnny russell to me is the most important player on the team right now Great. All right. Thank you, sir. So, in traditional wave that we fashion, I know we got to get you out of here, and I, I gotta, we got to split out quickly here too. Traditional wave that we we have to end with some lightning round questions. So, okay. Lightning round. Here we go. Your favorite memory in your four years at KU. Oh boy. Oh man, I'm supposed to have a fast answer with that. You don't have to have a fast answer. It's just I just call it the lightning round. You know. Like. You know. Um. You know what I'll say is um. The first broadcast I ever got to do on KJHK, this is just, I'd have to sit there and really think about it to give you an accurate answer, but the first broadcast I ever got to do on KJHK radio, and of course, back when I was in college, there was no such thing as podcasts or anything like that. You couldn't just go do a broadcast on your own. Um, It was Kansas football was playing Cincinnati, and I got picked to do the pregame show from On the Hill. And that was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life for a broadcast. So uh, that was that was probably that. I'm, that's the one I'm going to go with for today, anyway. Um, okay. So this is my always. I always ask this question to every guest, pretty much. I need one college venue and one pro venue that you have not been to yet, but you would love to go to. 
Okay, so this could be football, basketball, whatever. Can be what, can be whatever you like. Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, I've been to Cameron Indoor Arena, but I haven't seen a game live there. But I'll take that off the list since I've I've been there. I've been to Pauley Pavilion where UCLA plays. By the way, that is um, the worst famous venue I've ever been to in my life. Just <laughs> just brutal. Like so disappointing. And like you feel like you're in a junior college gymnasium or something. I just and it wasn't like small and in a, in a like Cameron Indoor is small, but it's awesome. Pauley Pavilion really disappointing. Um, man, I'm trying to think what what venue I'd want to go to in college. It's like an iconic place. All right, this is a weird one. This is a really weird one. Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. Great answer. That's mm-hmm. a great answer. Yeah, I, I'd like to go to a football game there sometime. We see the big the the volunteer uh, navy that comes up the river and docks all their fancy boats on the river and yeah. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What about the what about a professional venue? Have you is there one oh, yeah. that's on your list? I gotta go with a soccer venue if I'm going to answer that. My answer would be Highbury. Um, which is where Arsenal used to play. I'm an Arsenal fan, and I'm a Celtic fan, and I've been to Celtic Park in Glasgow, Scotland, and I took my wife to a game there, and that was incredible. Um, but I, the Emirates, where Arsenal plays now, it looks too stale. It doesn't look that special to me. I'm going to say the Azteca. I would want to go see USA-Mexico in the Azteca in Mexico City. That's a, that's a very good answer. That's a great answer. answer. I really like that answer. All right. I said I would touch on very last. I would touch on your your favorites in the very bottom of your eight ten yeah, bio. Yeah, I, I don't even remember what's on here, so I'm kind of nervous. Okay, to hear, no, 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 it's no, it's you know, totally okay. All right, ready? I want I want to hear if the forty five year old me agrees with the thirty year old me or whoever you know had a hand in this thing. <laughs> all right, so your favorite movies, gross point blank, was your number one movie of all time. Yeah. I don't still, even, still at the top. Still. I don't even know what that is. I still don't know what that is. He's too young. <laughs> I'm too okay, young, man. It's, it's a great movie. It's a, it's a movie with J- John Cusack stars in it, and it's a dark comedy. Uh, he goes, he's a he's a, a professional killer for, like, you know, like he works for governments uh-huh. and things like that, and he goes back to his high school reunion in Gross Point, Michigan, and, and uh, has to sort some things out in his life when he sees his, uh, huh. his old high school friends from 10 years ago and they're all starting families and stuff like that. It's it's a it's a great movie. The dialogue's phenomenal in it. Okay. Um, and your favorite favorite musical group listed in this is the Beastie Boys, followed by Rolling Stones, and then a tribe called Quest. That's another one I haven't heard of. And then Led Zeppelin, <sighs> and then the Arctic Monkeys, which is another one I have not heard of. <laughs> um, a tribe called Quest was one of the original. Uh, hip hop groups in uh, in New York City. They uh, like in the in the, the the dawn of rap music was in the eighties or seventies actually, but really the eighties is when it started to to become a, a recorded uh, genre. And the Tribe Called Quest was a was a group of guys from the Queen from Queens, New York. And you should you should seriously you should download um, like even, whether it's their greatest hits or the Low End Theory album, one of those. Some of the you'll you'll actually probably recognize some of the songs, but the songs you need to get. Can I kick it? The scenario. Those would be the top two that you should uh, download from them. 
All right, wait. Fair enough. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on Wave the Wheat. This has been a ton of fun. I really like I, like I said again, I really appreciate you coming on. I said the Kansas City people would recognize you and love you. This they love this guest and we get to show Sporting KC some love, which is also great. And then Nathan, it's also been good having you and I really appreciate, you know, this this has been awesome. So this has been that this has been Wave the Wheat. I really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, be sure to check us out at Kansas.com slash sports and we will see you next Friday, I believe. Yeah, probably next Friday. And uh, as always, take care. Awesome.